and welcome back to News Reel with Joe and Neil. I'm Joe. I'm Neil. Today is Sunday, 17th of March, 2019. Unfortunately, this week's show kind of picks itself. The events in Christchurch, New Zealand, on just two days ago, Friday, we're going to basically try to see what happened, what really happened, because, well, the media just doesn't seem to have much interest in finding out what happened. I mean, the reporting on it, obviously, it's all over the news. Mm-hmm. You can't miss it. But at the same time, the, the analysis of what went down is kind of AWOL. It's, where is it? Um, obviously, these events are confusing because they happen fast. And then, you know, they can say, well, all sorts of people say they saw things and heard things. <clears throat> so take our initial reports about what we think happened with a grain of salt. And in a couple of days or weeks or whatever, we'll have a the, the real story for you. But, I mean, everyone was reporting, especially, of course, New Zealand media on the day it happened and as events unfolded. But even, you know, for a good solid 24 hours after, the impression that people were left with, clearly, was that there have been many sites that were affected, targeted directly. Mm. Um, this in particular, of course, the two mosques on either side of Christchurch city centre, um, among other locations where people were arrested. In one case, a car rammed by the cops and someone pulled out of that car. In another case, a high school way to the north of the city centre where a man was arrested. There's a photo of him and so on. Um, and that in itself came after a big lockdown of the school um, some six kilometers to the north of the main mosque that was targeted, the Al-Nur Mosque. Um, we've got all these, you've got all these different sites. There's and reference to a uh, hospital, possibly an incident yes, at the hospital. reports of shots fired there. at the hospital, which is smack in the center, actually. It's equidistant between the two mosques right. in the city center. Well, that, that, that fact alone of, of you know, well, there was another incident where uh, we can just pull it up here, just just so people can see. Um, I think it's number nine, Scotty. Uh, it's just a text from the from uh, an article. Um, local man said a white van is at the centre of police focus, um, and they suspect. They believe a bomb is suspected to be inside. This is a white van, so nothing to do with a car that the shooter was uh, uh, was driving or anything like that, a, a separate incident. So that and the hospital and then a, a shooting at the school uh, several kilometres north. Uh, so you have three or four different um, separate so-called possible events. Crime scenes. Or crime scenes happening around the same time, right uh, as... as just after or as the uh, the shooting is happening at the, at the mosques, and that reminds us of, of course, well, the first thing it reminds me of is um, is Las Vegas, the Las Vegas shooting right. back in two thousand seventeen, October two thousand seventeen. Um, when you had multiple accounts of uh, different resorts along the Las Vegas Strip having active shooters going on, when in fact the only real active shooting was going on from the Mandalay Bay shooting at the concert. Uh, but obviously, the effect of this is to pull police away from uh, the area of the actual shooting. Uh, that doesn't mean that 
nothing happened at these other areas, but that it wasn't a significant event, if you know what I mean. It could have been someone with a gun, a a person brandishing a gun in a hospital, for example. Immediately that would call police to that location. Someone else brandishes a gun or maybe fires a couple of shots at a different, outside a school, for example. Police go there, more police go there. Mm -hmm. So it pulled police away from uh, the actual shooting event. Uh, And this, um, we're not just making this up, obviously. This is something that happened repeatedly uh, over the years with these kind of uh, mass casualty shooting events where you have uh, reports at, at the time of other stuff going on. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's effectively, a, it's almost a staple of, of these kind of terror attacks. Uh, and the obvious, well, the actual effect, uh, the, the verifiable effect of them is to pull police away from getting to the yeah. actual crime scene. And a second effect, intended or otherwise, is that it puts the entire city... Into a state of terror, right? Because you're really unsure where, who, what next. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a school on lockdown six kilometers north, when you have a street five, roughly four or five kilometers to the south of the city center, um, with a large police presence and reports that police actively defused a bomb. Not, we think there may be something. No, no, we defused a bomb. In fact, once that's gone out, everyone in the city is, you know. On, on tenterhooks about what what could happen next. Right. So it has that secondary effect of actually causing terror way beyond the locations where people were specifically targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, well, there's other other facts. As, well, let's just run through the the, the, the official the, official timeline yeah, of this. One forty, in terms of initial reports, one forty p.m. local time, shooting at the uh, Al Nur Mosque. Um, which is, you know, like you said, in the centre of Christchurch. Um, and this is the shooting that was, that it was on video, essentially, the video that's been taken down all over the internet, or people demanding that it be taken down all over the internet, and it has been taken down. Um, this video uh, is of at the Al-Nur Mosque, one of the mosques where most people were killed, 42 people were killed, and it's a video of this guy, Brenton, Tarrant um, with a GoPro camera on a helmet on his head in a grey Subaru I think SUV or maybe yeah Subaru SUV yeah. Um, so he's driving to the location mm, he's not saying very much he's just driving he says well initially at the beginning of it that's where he makes that silly remark about I subscribe to PewDiePie and he drives to the mosque Yeah. he gets in there he uh, shoots people in the mosque you know, you see him getting out of his car, etc. And he goes into the mosque, shoots people in the mosque, comes back out to his car, maybe gets another gun or something like that, uh, and then goes back in, does some more shooting, then comes back and then leaves. This is all in the in the GoPro video. It's on the helmet on his camera, or camera on his helmet. And uh, then he gets back in his car and leaves and drives. And that takes five minutes. It takes at least five, six, five, six minutes. Um, then he leaves the mosque and he's driving, um, we have a graphic of this. Just put up the graphic, the the, the map there for Scotty, will you? Um, where he drives from, uh, that's, there's the Mashid Al-Nur Mosque to the left, uh, and he drives, so he does the shooting there, then he drives that distance, which is about uh, five kilometres or more, actually. Five kilometres is straight lines, but more. And the route, the route that he takes actually probably seven, more closer to seven kilometres in the route he takes. He's driving and... His uh, video cuts out, though. He doesn't... Right, he doesn't you don't make, see that. You, we see it end seven minutes... 
Right. It ends more or less at that turn there at the top where it yes. takes a turn down to the right. To the, the video cuts off. Now, there's no reason, no, no explanation given as to why it would cut off. You think a guy like that who's uh, who's planning to video his 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 escapades, his, yeah. his mass murder, um, why it would cut out uh, before he gets to the Linwood Mosque on the right-hand side there. Uh, but it does, and then there's no video of, of any shooting at the Linwood Mosque where seven people, seven or eight people were killed. Um, so that's, that. so we assume 140 then, by the time he gets to the Linwood Mosque, you're talking at least maybe 10 minutes later, 150, uh, he's in there for, he's not there for very long, in Linwood Mosque, and then he, this is, the narrative then is that he drives from there to that location where he's arrested. Uh, but the official account on the arrest is that he's arrested for 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So from the timeline of 1.40 at the Mashid al-Nur Mosque, then 10 minutes to Linwood Mosque, very short time, maybe five minutes at the Linwood Mosque, 145, 1.50, uh, sorry, 150, 155. Uh, then it's, uh, call it 2 o'clock if you want, then it's two hours before he's arrested. Nothing is given as to what, uh, explained as to what he was doing or where he was. Did uh, you see that 4 p.m. time stamp being given as the time of his arrest? Or was that the time that it was reported that he was hit and apprehended? Well, well it's very vague, if yeah. you know what I mean. There's no, there's no it's, it's, real uh, official time. It's still being made up, effectively, to go along. And we say made up because clearly they are making up because things are changing so much. Uh, like we've said, all of the, the references to the other events that were going on have just been more or less airbrushed. Nah, nothing to see here. Um, so there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of, still a lot of, not I wouldn't say it's confusion. It's more like they're trying to basically come up with a narrative, although they have quickly today come out with a narrative that he was the only person involved in the shooting. No one else was involved, basically. And this, again, uh, flies, in the fact, flies in the face of, um, of uh, statements that were given at the time by police and also by eyewitnesses. Um, for example, if you go to that uh, NZ1 there, Scotty, um, number one, um, it's just a bit of text from a, from a news article. Um, this is about a survivor who, at the Linwood Mosque, the second one, told how uh, he saw another man tackling the gunman and stealing one of his weapons. Um, this guy said he saw the shooter wearing protective gear and firing wildly, and then a young man, and we know who that man is, attempted to tackle the gunman. Uh, he saw an opportunity and pounced and took his gun, according to the New Zealand Herald. The young hero took the gun out of the shoulder, uh, shooter's hands and attempted to defend people in the mosque, but couldn't figure out how to, how to, how to use the weapon. He, uh, he then said, the eyewitness to this young man attack, tackling the shooter, then says the hero, the young man, tried to chase, and he couldn't find the trigger in the gun. He ran behind, this is then, the shooter ran behind, oh sorry, uh, the young guy ran, ran behind the shooter, but there were people waiting for him, the shooter, in the car, and he fled. So there were people waiting for the shooter in his car, and he fled. Uh, this is an eyewitness testimony. I mean, you know, <laughs> you don't say that. You know, if you see a guy getting into, into a car, a shooter getting into a car, and uh, you don't you have no you can't see anybody else in the car. You don't say there were people waiting for him in the car. Right. The only reason you say that, and you're talking about a totally independent, objective, no vested interest whatsoever, eyewitness. And he's the, the eyewitness. He's now being faded. Actually, he's um, his name is what's his name there? Neil um, Abdul Aziz. Abdul Aziz. You can check. Uh, Check most. He's actually he's become the kind of the the they've decided that this guy is the the focus for the the hero story. If you know what I mean, the person who uh, saved people from being from being uh, more people from being 
being shot. Um, so he's the guy who, uh, he's the hero, but the guy who, as I just mentioned, the guy who, who reported seeing seeing this happen and seeing the um, seeing the shooter, supposedly Tarrant, getting into the car, uh, said that there were people waiting for him in the car. So there's no reason why he would say that if there were not other people, at least one other person in the car. Yeah. Um, his description of what exactly he did isn't, his English isn't, is really broken. Right. Um, he doesn't seem like the sharpest knife in the door to boot, so right. he's struggling for the right words. But then he does throw in words that are like, well, that's kind of important. In a subsequent interview, so say one he only gave yesterday, mm-hmm. he, he's had a night to sleep, you know, he's recovered yeah. a little from what happened. In this one, he describes the, his encounter with the gunman as somebody wearing a balaclava. Right. That's the first introduction of it. There's, there's no... Before that time. Tarrant isn't wearing one in his first shooting. In theory, he could have the put mosque. one on. Right. Before he gets to the second mosque, because the video cuts out before he gets there, obviously. So it's plausible that, possible that that, that, that could have been the case. But um, if you go to number, um, number 10, Scotty, um, this is again about the second shooting, the one that we just mentioned, where there were uh, an eyewitness said there were people waiting for him in the car uh, at the top. Um, this is Linwood, and they say they heard shots around one forty-five. Well, that's the right. same time as the right. other one. Well, one forty was given for the first one to one forty-five, but still, it's a bit of a stretch. It takes at least it takes eleven minutes to drive from mosque to mosque. Right, so it can't be that can't be an exact timing, but right. you know, um, so. Where a second shooting happened at a mosque in the Linwood area, blah blah blah. He then, uh, they 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 were in. He said he heard te- he heard telling police officers he was firing in self okay self defense. This is uh, the guy. This is the guy who supposedly grabbed the, the shooter's gun. Yeah. Uh, and then the, they, this, guy, this guy says they were in a silver Subaru. Now, and silver that's a match Su- for his car. Right, that's Terrence. that's Terrence's car. I've seen yeah. in the video, silver Subaru. And this guy saying they were in a silver Subaru. Uh, he saw two injured people carried on stretchers, blah, 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 past his shop. Uh, both appeared to be alive. I seen a guy with a gun running up the road. He's been firing about five shots. I think we heard. Um... And then Mark Nichols, manager of Premium Tires and Auto in Linwood, said he, he said he saw a gunman run past his shop about forty-five minutes ago. So again, these details, none of these are are given. This was this would have Tarrant, assuming it's just one person, running from. First of all, you have one guy saying that at the Linwood Mosque, one eyewitness saying at the Linwood Mosque that he witnessed one of the members of the mosque tackling. Tarrant, the shooter, uh, and then uh, throwing the gun at, at his car, him jumping into the car, and a guy who witnessed this said that then there was someone waiting in the car and he, he sped off. But then at the same time, near Linwood Mosque, you have uh, the owner of a tire shop saying that he saw a guy run past his shop. Yeah. Which is close by the Linwood Mosque. So that doesn't make any sense. Uh, Tarrant got into a car in which people were waiting for him and sped off. And at the same time, around the same time, we don't know how exact time frame for this because I haven't given it, someone with a gun was seen running past by the owner of a tire shop near the mosque was seen running past it. So I, he, he fled on foot and didn't get back into any car. Someone else fled on foot. Right. I mean, all of this points to there being more than one... Um, gunman 
at least. Gunman. Or if you just put that number 10 back up again, there's somewhere there where... Um, a second shooter. I'm just looking for the actual text. Uh, yeah, a well-known Muslim local chased the shooters and fired two shots at them as they sped off. And that's the same guy they were talking about. And when he says chase the shooters, that means that um, uh, shooters, i.e., multiple. But this was in the, in the scenario at Linwood Mosque of Tarrant getting into a car that was with someone in it, waiting for him, and them them speeding off. I, so this guy, they're called here shooters, as if both of them were shooters. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that anybody saw more than one shooter. There's no reports of more than one shooter at Linwood Mosque. In fact, there's no reports of, well, there are reports of someone shooting at Linwood Mosque, but there's uh, eyewitness reports of that. But, you know, it's very sketchy is the point, but there's it, the whole scenario is peppered with these references to shooters, yeah. more than one person. Um Another one, just go to the last one there that I have, uh, number eight. Just to add in uh, a little bit more. Gunmen opened fire at mosque in Christchurch earlier today. Uh, Police Commissioner Bush said there have been some absolute acts of bravery in the arrests of the four attackers. Uh, Absolute acts of bravery in the arrests of four attackers. Now, they've discounted three of those people that they arrested, but, I mean... One of them, at least, uh, you didn't need... The other people who were in no way involved, you wouldn't need to be very brave to arrest them because they weren't, didn't have guns, they were in no way involved. They're only members of, uh, according to the official narrative, they're only members of the civilian population. So How does the police commissioner, surely the most informed person in New Zealand that day, get it wrong in describing the four attackers? Yeah. I mean, he's being lied to by his subordinates? What? Right, well, look at the next line. A number of IEDs that were attached to vehicles in Christchurch have been defused by the Defence Force. By the Defence Force, and that's since been exercised. IEDs now it's only attached to vehicles. Yeah, plural. More than one. Because there were at least there were a couple of references to bombs in the central business district, right. separate from the one that was. But in that the says South specifically District. that there South. were IEDs attached to vehicles that had to be defused. That's yeah. not a hoax. Yeah. If someone says that, someone, a member of the security forces doesn't say, um, "Yeah, there was a bomb in that car and we had to defuse it," and then afterwards go, "Oh, sorry, I'm." I'm I was mistaken. There was no bomb there and we didn't defuse it at all. And but why we, would you say that you had a, there was a right. bomb in a car and that you defused it, yeah. if, if it if it's just been airbrushed now? That has since been confabulated with the jerry cans. You can see in the back of Tarrant's car one or two red jerry cans. Right. And he himself, in his own live stream video, the 17 minutes of it, at one point makes a reference to the fuel and doing mm-hmm. something with it. Um, but yeah, again, you can't, <clears throat> they're not going to make any kind of mistake between an IED and a jerry can, you know, and something that requires the armed forces. That's right. kind of an issue in itself. That's since been um, airbrushed, and now it was police who defused the bomb or bombs, plural, whichever they're going with. Um, the defense forces kind of quietly hushed right. because that's, that's brought out in constant questions would, about what were the military doing so ready on the spot in the city center. But Right. And there's, yeah, there's a bit of a, a story about that as well, about... Um uh, a training going on in a disused floor of a hospital. Yeah, we know... The they, two policemen who are actually They're now explaining stopped. that the people who stopped Tarrant, that footage you see where his wheel's up spinning on the sidewalk, they found him by chance. Well, they were, knew something had gone down in the city, but they had no idea. But they, des- they decided 
they maybe had heard that he had most recently been at Linwood Mosque. So they decided the route they took up into the city from a hospital where they were training, this was most likely where they encounter him. And so they did mm-hmm. on that kind of avenue, right. made a U-turn, rammed him. But it's being passed off as a pretty much a chance encounter, yeah. which is... Which is strange. But they happened to be the very police they needed because there's actually a rare number of police officers in most cities mm-hmm. that would have the means, the, the noose, the kind of bravery as well to go in and challenge someone who's armed to the freaking teeth, right. taking out people. Yeah. Um, but there's a, lot, there's a lot of anomalous things about this. You, you mentioned earlier on about uh, somebody, a, a reference to someone in in handcuffs. Oh, well, this is this is part of the... What the hell happened in the yeah. south of the city? So, open, yeah, that one. Yeah, I've, we have it here. Can you open up the article? Um, it, yes, this one here. Okay, so there's a photo of it. Um, this guy. I, this this photo is. There's a sto- the story to this is included in the article. We'll get to it in a minute. But if from memory, this is a guy arrested, um, not far from where Tarrant was pulled out of the car that had been rammed. This guy was pulled out of his car and on the ground behind him, we'll see it in a minute, I think there's a second photo in this article, on that ground behind him is a shotgun, a specially modified shotgun with some kind of silencer on the end of it and a plastic handle. Yeah, where's that image? Scroll down a bit there. Um, There it is. The police officer is picking up the weapon they found with this guy. And uh, no word on who he is. They immediately protected his identity by putting it that um, by covering his eyes at least. Um, it's, it's got it's weird. It's got a green handle, <clears throat> just a, a wooden barrel, and this weird silencer. It's almost like a. Let's go to the content of the article, beginning with Paul Chalmers. There it is, Paul Chalmers of Lincoln. Okay, so he's a witness. He's describing the incident we've seen on video on Brougham Street where Tarrant's car is rammed. And um, mm-hmm. there's not much. He doesn't say that anything that's any difference there. He just says the police car cut across the road, rammed his car. Um, two officers were, were dragging the guy out. We, we've all seen that on the video. Um, but a, another bystander... Martin Brown says apparently there were two in the car. Now, he's not a direct witness, but for what it's worth, he says he heard from someone else. Go down there past that photo, Scott. Um, I heard someone down there, points to a nearby street, Scott Street, say that there were two in the car and one of them got away from them. Mm-hmm. Okay, that concerns Brougham Street where Tarrant's car was rammed. That's, let's put that aside. The other description in this article concerns these two photographs. Okay. um, This is a report of a white sedan. So this is not the silver Subaru that um, Tarrant was driving. A white sedan sped past the line of stationary cars on Strickland Street. Not far from the car, the pinned car on Brougham Street. This is, and in the media at the moment, the two are being conflated. Oh, Strickland Street's nearby. That's, that was a confusion. That's, it's all one street. He was actually um, on a, so there were two things going on close by. Um, the eyewitness to this, what was going on with this white sedan, says that the guy who was driving it was handcuffed. Maybe he got that wrong, but okay, for what it's worth. 
just before 4 p.m. Remember, it's been two hours minimum since uh, the Linwood shooting uh, kind of happened. Just before 4 p.m., an angry swearing man in handcuffs was taken to a police car. That is presumably the guy in the photos in this article. Mm-hmm. Um, minutes after he was led away, a policeman with rubber gloves picked up what looked like a rifle with a silencer on it. Let's go back up to that photo, the one in the middle of the article. That's that there. Right. So this guy, it was a guy... Different car, different man, different weapon, close by to where Tarrant was stopped. And yet he was... And he was arrested in ha- and put in handcuffs because obviously he wasn't a member of the police, but he was involved and close by where the shooting happened. And this guy gets airbrushed out. Nothing to see here. This guy is in no way involved. Really? We'll give an explanation then of I who know. he was. It's nuts. Remember how, how clearly and succinctly they reported four people. Four people were arrested that day. Right. For four. I mean, no one can mistake that now. Right. Since then, it's kind of like, well, three of them... This, this one has been given an explanation. This guy that we have on the screen here right now, uh, he was up at the school. I think that's the railings of the school, which is north of the two of the two mosques, quite far north, actually. Uh, maybe seven kilometers from one of them, anyway. From Seven kilometers from the last... Uh, the second uh, shooting location. And this guy was arrested. He's in fatigues. But apparently he is, seems to be legit in the sense that he uh, he claims that he was just uh, out walking about on the day. And uh, there's no mention of him having a gun or anything, but it was the fact that he has these uh, military fatigues on that caused him to be arrested. But um, it, it seems legit because he has a real name. Right. Stephen Miller, 30, local guy. Uh, has kids who go to that school, people know him, yada, yada, yada. His story seems to check out. But the other two of the four, who right. the hell were they? Right, exactly. Um, if you just, let's just, just go to the video, actually. It's just that we'll have a little video from the original video that's been, you know, more or less banned from the internet. Um, we're not going to show anything gross, just a little yes. snippet of the driving. And turn up the volume. Oh, God. <laughs> I dropped that instantly. Leave a pick retention for ease of access. If you pick ease of access, you can't pop yourself. back to the beginning there on two occasions uh, one at the beginning one at the end you hear him actually talking and on both of them he appears to be responding to someone that doesn't necessarily mean there's someone in the car because this is on the way to the second mosque but definitely he's talking to someone he's responding to comments by someone else it could be uh, on uh, on headphones or uh, in an earpiece or something because remember he's got a GoPro camera on his head which has a microphone itself so yeah. it could be picking up uh, and he's clearly uh, well prepared he's got all the tech he's got right. GPS running there he's got yeah so just go back to the beginning <laughs> there. right there at the very beginning you hear the no- you hear someone very in the background or someone uh, quite, quite low level someone say something and then Tarrant laughs you hear a louder voice l- louder uh, speech and it's him b- laughing and then commenting uh, you can more or less make out what he's saying it's uh, uh, just play it again <laughs> <laughs> I dropped that instantly 
even pick retention for ease of access. If you pick ease of access, you can't help yourself. Okay. He said, uh, he, he laughs and says something like they died instantly, uh, even people with tension, uh, something about for ease of access, if you've got ease of access. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but he's, he, he laughs and then he makes those comments and he's talking to someone clearly. You can kind of skip on a little bit, Scotty, just towards the, like, about three quarters of the way along and then play from there, right about there, yeah. There's you time see, for the fuel. There's time for the fuel, he says, but the voice before that is lower than his, you know? So it's either him speaking in a lower voice or it's someone else, possibly at this point, in the car. Because remember, I mean, the, the video appears to be continuous, but I don't know if there's some possibility for, maybe Scotty would know there's some kind of way. I don't, this was supposedly live-streamed, but do we know that it was actually live-streamed or was just simply uploaded who happened to be checking in on live? And right. how would they have... After the fact. Uh, it could have been uploaded after the fact, therefore it could have been edited. The point being that there may be someone else in the car at this point. He may, there may have been someone at the, first, um, at the first mosque who may have then got into the car afterwards with him and be driving to this location, or he may have picked someone up along the way. Um, certainly, based on eyewitness testimony, there was someone in this car... Um, the, again at the, at the second mosque uh, when he when he had to leave because he was confronted by one of the people at the mosque um, he jumped in the car and he, the eyewitnesses said that there was someone waiting for him in the car and they sped off Yeah, uh, and then that put that together with the fact that what we just mentioned that there was another guy arrested then this guy arrested with a gun we just showed a picture of him uh, arrested with a, a long rifle with a silencer on the end uh, and this guy just gets um airbrushed out of it so yeah. I mean you can see you can imagine a situation where someone like that is arrested at the scene he has a gun and there's some story given that you know he shows some credentials he's got some credentials from somewhere um, I was tracking this target as part of a surveillance operation blah, blah. that's all you have to say basically as long as you've got some kind of military credentials or some kind of super secret spook credentials that you can show you can make up a story and say that you, you are uh, tracking uh, keeping an eye on this guy Tarrant and if you're not believed and you are taken in couple of hours later of getting two to superiors and a right. couple of phone calls right. oh okay we'll put him out oh uh, then we'll tell the press something like no we're, we're focusing on one person right exactly and it's all it's all shut down and i don't really understand how you can uh, i don't understand how that works i know i've seen it multiple times in these situations where the authorities who initially come out and make all these statements about multiple shooters then resolve it down to one and they come out and they make official statements that no, there's only one person involved, lone wolf, blah, blah, blah. I don't really understand how that kind of hierarchy works and where people who know better, people in, in positions of you know, public servants essentially, mm -hmm. you know, the, the uh, police commissioner in this case, who's done exactly the same thing, uh, has come out, the police, com police commissioner... Um, the Bush guy. Bush, his name is, uh, has, you know, come out and repeated and, you know, asserted effectively that there's only one person involved when he himself would certainly have access to information and know that there was a lot more going on around the situation and there were other people involved and how pressure can be put on him, what story can be given to him to make him lie to the public. Um, hey, what, what pressure was put on um, 
Sheriff Lombardo in Las Vegas. Well, that's what it reminds me of Lombardo, yeah. But I mean, he had the FBI guy on next to his shoulder. I mean, yeah. he made a mistake in one conference, right? Right. And he didn't make it again. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the thing is... The basic story then they're coming down to is that that whole circuit around the city is one one guy and it's one... And it's, most importantly, is sequential. Because on the day, the impression coming across was definitely that these were simultaneous events happening. Well, they said so. They said as much. The police said as much that we're dealing with simultaneous they, they confirmed terror attacks. two hours after the event, we're looking at a coordinated simultaneous attack. Um, so now they've crunched it to 41 people killed at Al-Nur Mosque, which isn't controversial because it was filmed. Um, six minutes into after that, he leaves, drives away again to the north and then around to the east. And that's the same time that the police... Commissioner Mike Bush is now saying that they first got an emergency call of a shooting. Um, 36 minutes after the six-minute mark when the authorities were alerted, they had Tarrant in custody. So that's 36 minutes from Al-Nur Mosque making the loop all the way down to almost a full circle. That's the basic time structure. Everything must fit into that. Mm -hmm. Um, The the obvious issue is... um, I don't know how obvious it is. I mean, maybe we can try and rule some things out. Uh, it takes 11 minutes driving at normal speed to travel from one mosque to the other along mm-hmm. the route he took. Mm-hmm. We know that he spent five to six minutes shooting at the first mosque. Then he got in his car. Then he gets in his car. He's... His video feed cuts out roughly at the corner just before you start making the south mm-hmm. direction towards Linwood. So that's, uh, and that cuts at seven minutes after the point where he leaves the mosque. So right. that's seven minutes plus five, six minutes 13. is roughly 13 minutes. Um, then he has to drive another few minutes He at has least. still another five minutes at least right. to get to Linwood. 18 minutes So now Linwood. you're up to two o'clock. So it can't be simultaneous, so to speak. They must be sequential. So they're going to have to explain that sequentially. At two o'clock, he spends a certain amount of time at Linwood Mosque and then... Um, what within it's possible in the four o'clock thing of when he was arrested when he was stopped that has me clarified whether he was actually arrested at four o'clock or whether the, it, it came out that when was that video taken of uh, the car up, exactly up on the side po- the, the, the sidewalk co- yeah exactly so n- none of it again with these things they're not being transparent about it uh, on the face of it is their basic timeline plausible though thirty six minutes to do a loop with two stops um, I think it is yeah thirty six minutes from one forty. Uh, 36 minutes would be to up to 2.16. Um, in theory, that could all happen and he could be arrested uh, at, at 2.15 or 2.16 or whatever um, as he as he's driving away. But So it could have happened in that time frame. If it didn't and he was arrested at 4 o'clock, then there's a, 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 a almost two-hour uh, gap where no one knows what he was doing and why he remained in the area to be arrested. Is, is unknown, but it's obviously still doesn't explain the fact that eyewitness testimony said there were multiple people involved. Yeah. Now that brings us to the question of why um, this would happen. Well, uh, well, it brings us to the question of, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, or if, if some people who will eventually listen to it, or will come across this, uh, this thesis, which isn't new, as we've said before, that there are this is not a lone wolf event, will maybe be a bit annoyed at us even bringing these details up and why don't we just go with the official narrative and, well, we're not going with the official narrative because it doesn't make any sense and it contradicts eyewitness testimony. 
And you can't just dismiss the eyewitness testimony as well. Eyewitness testimony is inherently unreliable. And no, it's not. It's, it's inherently unreliable when two people say something happened at a certain time or the color of a person's clothes. But eyewitness testimony generally does not posit more than one person when there's only one person. Think about it yourself. You can get the colors of someone's clothes wrong or the shape of their face or their height or even their hair color wrong. And it can contradict with, with other people who were, who were near you. and say, no, I didn't see that. I saw this. But think about the situation where you would look at a car and you would imagine seeing someone inside the car. Has that, does, is that, does that sound plausible? Can you imagine a situation where you would look at a car and imagine a person inside it? Say you, you see a car, you see a person running towards a car, and you see that person get into the car. But before the person's into the car, you look at the car and you see there's a person already in the car. Can you imagine yourself imagining a person inside the car? Mm. That, that doesn't fall into uh, the category of um, inherently unreliable eyewitness testimony. That's a different category. It doesn't, that's not, that doesn't work that way. Yeah. So the point is, the reason we're bringing these things up is because they exist. And there, but there's a bigger reason as well. is because this uh, event is being used to, to further... Um, divide and inflame divisions within quote unquote western societies uh, that are most people are really well aware of and they're not good for society it's not good for civil society it's not good for anybody who lives in western societies the current climate and it's getting worse and this kind of event exacerbates and inflames those tensions and sets people at odds with, the, uh, with each other and at each other's throats the reason we are motivated to highlight these discrepancies and to posit the idea that this was not uh, what it seems, that it was not some white guy going after Muslims because he's a, a racist or he's a white, white supremacist or whatever, is because if we can, with this evidence, if we can disabuse people of that narrative, then we can do something at least to um, reduce that attempt to inflame divisions in society. Because going with the official narrative is the most inflammatory version of events. If that's not the correct version of events, if it's actually something that was uh, manipulated, if this guy was effectively manipulated or uh, used as a kind of patsy in a certain sense, certainly he did the shooting and stuff, but there were other people involved handling him and creating this situation deliberately, and it would never have happened without those other state actors, let's say, or secret, uh, let's say, deep state actors. If it would never have happened, then... The, the blame and the guilt for this event and for the deaths of those 50 people does not lie with white supremacists and does not encourage the division within Sadi but focuses the attention on the blame where it should lie, which is on a, a group of individuals, supranational or international, let's say, who carry out these kind of events and we've gone through many of them in the past over the past 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 15 years uh, who, who have an agenda to divide and conquer effectively divide, to, to control Western societies by inflaming these kind of attentions and we do not want people to fall for that bait or to take that bait and if we can point the finger at the, the, the perpetrators and the manipulators then it, it may do something to, to reduce people's... Uh, inclination and to reduce their emotional reaction to the situation and to um, reduce the likelihood that they'll get sucked into uh, left, right or 
us versus them paradigms, which are not good. So that's the justification for doing this. We're not just doing it because we're crazy conspiracy theorists. And we're not pulling stuff out of our backsides here. We're simply citing actual eyewitness reports. And it fits, it's a far more plausible narrative to the situation that there was more people involved than one guy to carry out this kind of an operation. These kind of operations generally don't happen with just one guy. Mm-hmm. So. That brings me to his manifesto. Yes. Which there hasn't been anything like it, I think, since Anders Breivik. Um, and the simultaneous massacre on Utoya Island no. and bomb attack in Oslo city centre in mid-July 2017. Um, was it only 2017? Oh, excuse me, 2011. Oh, Jesus Christ, mixed up. messing up my timeline here. Um, it's a good while ago. Now, you know, back back then when that happened, it was, it was like a kind of... It, it wouldn't have had any... It, it had a horrible effect and simply by it being an act of terrorism. But it... But the purported story, backstory, to, to give the motivations for why this guy wanted to do it, people were like, really? What? There would have been very, very few people out there who would have gone, yeah, he's got a point. Because his, his, his whole screed, which is four times longer than the one attributed to Tarrant, was that, um, yeah, Muslims, their problem, and they're coming to get us. Right. In 2011, it was like, really? Wasn't, what? Wasn't but issue. now, right. when someone says that, um, I kind of don't have much hope for us having any kind of effect in getting people to... But I, When I talk about an effect, I talk, about, I talk about an effect on people who listen to this show. Right. That's all. Yeah. And I know it's a very small number of people, so... Yeah. Uh, but some's better than none. Yeah. The... Most of the comments I've seen on, you know, YouTube or any articles about this, if they're not... Yeah, that was... You know, some crazy white guy. Let, oh, he should be called a white terrorist. Yada yada. If they're not basically in line with the official narrative, they've they're they're coming out from the other side. They're saying, "Good job. It's about time right. we we kill some of them." Right. Exactly. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of that. There is, and that's 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 what we're trying to fight against here. We're trying yeah. to combat that division of people in in particularly in Western societies. You know, right versus left. You know, pro uh, white versus I don't know what the come up with a new term: white versus right, uh, as in the moral high ground, the, the left uh, uh, versus you know our multi the multiculturalists versus the the white conservatives. Um, His manifesto is so. Well, I was just going to say the people, like you said, there there seems to be two responses. This one is people de- denouncing it and denouncing. Uh, white nationalism and white supremacists and far right, etc. Um, and lumping a bunch of people into that. And we mentioned the fact that, you know, he this guy supposedly says subscribe to PewDiePie. I mean, Jesus Christ, they're throwing PewDiePie into the, you know, the white supremacist. Uh, oh, he did, he did m- say Mass murders. He just said before, it. Yeah. He, just right. before he got a car. Right, manif- lads. And remember, subscribe to PewDiePie. Yeah. Where the hell did that come from? And of course, his manifest was full of Candace Owens, Donald Trump, and, and a bunch of other media personalities that he, that he supports, you know. So trying to they're trying to, through these acts, they're trying to tarnish or, or uh, inflame, you know, tarnish these people as, as extremists and, yeah. and then anybody who supports them. So anybody who supports Trump, anybody who likes Candace Owens, anybody who likes anything that's a bit more alt-right, you're potentially, you know, you're a supporter of, of, 
of mass murderers, basically, and you're you're Islamophobe, you know, uh, and then. And then, as you said, the, the people on the on the right, the ones who are being accused of this, tend to react to that with, well, in an indignant way, and double down on their evil Muslims. <coughs> uh, so there's those. That's, it's one of those two responses from a lot of people. And then there's the the great unwashed, the great, the silent majority, perhaps, who just kind of like throw their hands up and say, oh, "It's just terrible. I just want to get on with my life. Let's forget about it." Mm. So then, that's the that's the pretty much everybody. Who, who has a response to this is in those three categories. The left, evil white people. The right, white people saying, we're not evil, Muslims are evil. <clears throat> and then the rest, the majority saying, this is just terrible, can't we all just get along? Yeah, but those... And, that, those and we're, the, the, the fourth category, which are people who are looking at saying, listen, <laughs> you need to think a bit more critically about this and uh, assume that you're being set up, that you're being manipulated, that... Uh, there's something else going on here. Uh, well, that large grouping that just passively basically goes, this is terrible, um, but I'm going to turn off the TV or my computer now and just get on with my life. It, with each subsequent one, they're also being worked on here. Right. I mean, we're all being forced to right. p- pick a side. Even if they don't say it explicitly, they're, they're in their minds, they're, they're being pulled further to one side or another, depending depending on their proclivities, depending on their innate nature, let's say, or their, their taste buds, right? Their, their tendencies to be more left-leaning or more, right, more right-leaning. Um, so, yeah, so everybody is, is being caught up in this. And, I mean, it's also interesting <coughs> that it happened in New Zealand, you know? New Zealand, up until now, uh, New Zealand has never raised its terror threat level above low. And the fact that it even has a terror threat level is surprising because New Zealand is, you know, it's where the hobbits live, right? Yeah. It's, it's the Shire, right? It's Hobbiton. It's everybody gets along. It's g'day, everybody, well, whatever they say in New Zealand. The next stop is Antarctica. Yeah, and it's just this haven. And interestingly, it's a place where a lot of rich people from the real West, the center of the West from America and, and, and Western Europe have been going and buying large tracts of land and building uh, fancy houses, off-the-grid kind of uh, eco-houses and stuff. To get to away from explicitly, all. many of them explicitly survive or ride out what they believe to be this coming social collapse or chaos of Western society. So up until now, New Zealand was this haven where people went to avoid all that evil, nasty stuff that's happening uh, in up there, basically, <clears throat> in the real world. And it's interesting. It's, it's what's interesting that, that this has been brought to New Zealand, i.e. even New Zealand with its, what, 5 million people? Is it 5 million? 4 point 4 something, point something million people do not get away. And anybody who goes there, you don't get to escape it, basically. Yeah. It, they, it's been brought to their doorsteps. Of course, New Zealand was never a very safe place. Maybe it was safe. It was safe from a social perspective. It was more much more placid and calm from a social perspective, but it's on the ring of fire and it had a massive earthquake in 2011 that killed 105 people in Christchurch. So it's not exactly a haven of, of peace and serenity, at least from a, from a ge- geologic point of view yeah. or a climate point of view. Um, and that's not, not so from a social point of view either. And this will yeah, definitely going to leave a serious mark on New Zealand and it's going to make uh, maybe people who, th- who would have been thinking about relocating there to write out the <laughs> the apocalypse or whatever yeah. whatever they think uh, are going to probably think twice about it. 
And even now, if any Kiwis were thinking, oh, Jesus, well, we'll just quietly put this to bed as well and, you know, we build our communities, we build our trust and get on with it. Uh-uh. Because the rest, especially of the Anglosphere, but the West more broadly, is what have they been doing the two days since then? Hammering on and on and on and on about how New Zealand is us, is part of the West. Right. So we're totally with New Zealand. And of course, as I pointed out in my article, that the, the British Foreign Secretary's first statement, mm-hmm. besides the Pat kind of, you know, thoughts and prayers, was uh, a shout out at YouTube, mm-hmm. at Facebook, at Google. What are you going to do about this? Enough is enough, he said. That's this the, has the, to stop. You have to stop. Based this on that manifesto. Extremism. Based on that manifesto, the culprit, the people who fired the trigger, Tarrant was their agent, but the culprit is social media. But what he's really getting at is anyone who dissents, and these days it tends to be conservative-minded people of the so-called right. Mm-hmm. Um, another, another detail about Tarrant that fits uh, with... Uh, if it's the profile of this being a a, a managed event, let's say, uh, with more than more than the the usual suspect, the lone wolf involved, is his history of travelling. Um, he he's got a a long list of countries. There's a long list of countries that he visited um, over the past couple of years when he went walkabout. Um, North Korea, Pakistan. He posted glowing reports of his visit to Pakistan. Lovely people, lovely place. Pakistan is, as most people know, predominantly Muslim country. Why wasn't he shooting a Muslim <coughs> there? <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he'd been in France. Turkey uh, twice. Turkey twice. So, um, you know, there's lots of opportunity there for him to have been contacted by someone. Of course, you know, his uh, his his likely contacts with kind of alt-right, extreme-right, whatever, groups to what to the extent that they exist uh, on the internet, etc., would have uh, brought him onto the, on, onto the radar of people who would have, you know, possibly identified him as someone who was uh, uh, potentially a, 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 a likely suspect, you know. He's to, supposed to have been in direct contact with Anders Breivik in right, prison. Right, So... Um, he, he may well be bona fide kind of have actual connections with actual right. white supremacists. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, it's, it's it's very close. It's kind of this gray area where those people are, for ostensibly for plausible sound reasons, uh, will also have connections with the intelligence services. Now, right. the intelligence services' reason for having close links with these groups is that we need to keep tabs exactly. on the damn but, crazy but people. But you see how that works both ways. Of course. We know that works both ways. We know that that's... I mean, there's been... There's a lot of... You know, official information, uh, as in, and by my official information, I mean mainstream media articles over the past. I mean, people forget about them, but going back, you know, 10, 15 years, there's a, a, a large number of uh, mainstream media reports about intelligence agencies in Western countries uh, grooming, most of it uh, involving mosques and Muslims, but essentially grooming uh, potential. You know, terrorists essentially. Of course, there there's this line that gets crossed. You know, uh, where the intelligence agencies will will have a uh, an informant 
working for the intelligence agency, she goes down and poses as just a regular Moscowing guy, and then we'll start talking about, for example, um, Al-Qaeda and taking the fight to the infidel and uh, striking back against their imperial aggression in Muslim countries and then see who he can, see who's a, who's attracted to that kind of speech and that kind of ideology. And then, I mean, you look up, for example, just look up on, do a Google search for FBI terror plots. The FBI has been doing this for a long time where they do precisely that. They use informants to go down to Muslim community centers and mosques and they have a, a, a guy talk in that way about uh, Al-Qaeda and stuff, and they've gone as far as when, when someone shows uh, uh, an interest in that kind of speech by the, and that kind of appeal by the FBI informant, then it'll be taken to the next step where he's this person who's responded uh, to the request to, for example, uh, you know, take the fight to the, to the Christians or to the infidels, will then be asked if he wants to join Al-Qaeda, and he'll be sworn into Al-Qaeda by the FBI informant. And then he'd be asked if he wants to maybe carry out an attack, and then uh, he'd be given some, you know, materials to uh, supposedly make a bomb or whatever. And right up to the point of him going down, totally under the guidance of the FBI, uh, to plant the bomb or to carry out a shooting, and only then is he arrested. There's only one step necessary from that process that the FBI and British intelligence and French intelligence have carried out repeatedly and are very well schooled in. Only one extra step needed to create the kind of uh, attack that you happen, that happened in Christchurch or many of the other terror attacks and that's to simply let the person go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So you take it all the way, 99% of the way, grooming, providing materials, ideological indoctrination and the only ones that are officially reported are when the FBI took it to that point or the British intelligence took it to that point and then said, okay, let's just arrest him now before he carries out the attack. Yeah. So if it was deemed ex- politically expedient by these intelligence agencies to simply not step in at that point and let the attack carry out or in fact put in a plan around it where you help the person to carry out the attack, will they do it? Yeah. Well, the only argument against them uh, doing that is something along the lines of, well, they wouldn't do that because they care too much about their own citizens and they're genuinely engaged in a fight against extremism. But what if it's in their interest to encourage extremism as a means of population control? Have you thought about that? Especially Can in this climate do- where they've explicitly stated that these days they've massively broadened definitions of extremism to include in the United States, for example, people who talk about the Constitution. Right. Uh, in other countries, people like Europe, people who talk about mass migration. Yeah. Uh, so you need to really need have to, how how, you, how would they best be served by countering those extremists yeah. than by vilifying and tarnishing their ideas with bloodshed by by, by yeah, association by helping them carry out people have um, attacks yeah you need to have very rose colored glasses on you know you need a very rose tinted yeah or have a rosy a very rosy view of war of of life and the power structures and the people involved in intelligence agencies and involved in government to dismiss out of hand uh, that the possibility that they would allow or facilitate these kind of terror attacks to happen in order to achieve what they see as their uh, broader agenda. If you want to say, no way, I could never believe that that would happen, well, go ahead. You can you can decide that you cannot believe that that would happen. That doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't happen. It only means that you don't want to believe that it will happen. I wondered on the day how everyone's 
the media anyway, seem to suddenly have a copy of this manifesto. Um, the backstory for the first 24, 48 hours was simply that, oh, someone had found it on his Twitter account, mm. which was opened, created zero followers, of course, but it's handy to have something to hang month, it on yeah. uh, very recently. Um, where there also, he uploaded photos of his various weapons, with right. the inscriptions he had put on them. Um, but now there's a report today we saw that the New Zealand Prime Minister's office had been emailed the document right. nine minutes before he started shooting. It's a very specific number of minutes or time to, to, to cite. Why they even said that, I don't know. Why didn't they say we just got it the, the morning of or something? But they say, what do you call her? Ja, ja, Jacinda Ahern. Ahern, the Prime Minister and the Prime Minister's office, received a copy of the report nine minutes before the attack started. That means if their official time frame is one forty, it means that she, <laughs> Prime Minister's office, was able to, uh, you know, lock down a time and release it to the public of one thirty-one. We received it at one. Did she look at her watch or something, or did someone look at a clock as soon as she she got it into her hands? Does that mean was that a was that time when she just got it or had she, fin- had she finished reading it? Because 64 pages. Had she finished reading it by then? No, she only got it then, let's say. I don't understand. What it, that just smacks of something weird to me as well, you know? That someone made sure that it arrived in her office Yeah. at that time, just right before, forget about nine minutes, just right before the attack happened or as the attack was happening. Um, the, the reason I... The reason I don't have a problem or I don't have the rose-coloured glasses on in terms of uh, the intentions of uh, the state forces. And the reason I don't doubt where they're able to go and what they're able to do and what they will do if, it, if they believe it serves their own purposes or their own interests, their own agenda, is that... There's plenty of evidence, and I'm very familiar with it from, and I use this as a, as a reference point all the time, from Northern Ireland, where I grew up, of state forces, particularly, specifically intelligence agency, MI5, and British military intelligence, doing exactly what I described, of uh, using people to carry out uh, mass murder against innocent civilians in order to create a kind of in that case, in order to push it towards a kind of civil war situation. So you have a situation where the British intelligence were actively actively organised uh, mass murder shootings with the use, use of either with with um, kind of paramilitary in, individuals, basically hired guns uh, on their own or with or including actual members of British, actually actual British military uh, personnel to go and kill innocent civilians. Um, and this is the case on both sides of uh, of the divide in Northern Ireland, uh, and then allow the blame to fall on whoever it would naturally fall on, um, or take take blame take uh, take responsibility for the for the attack by some group that they made up, a group that that was affiliated with one side or the other. They would send a call into a after the after the mass murder. The mass shooting occurred. They would call a newspaper and say, "Blah blah blah. We, the group called blah blah blah, did this, and it would be an identifiable group, you know." 
not identifiable brand new group usually that that had never existed before you know but it's got a, a obvious uh, identifiable allegiance and uh, and there was a couple of events in Northern Ireland in the 70s that are kind of instructive in that resp- regard and this is public information again it's come out fairly recently but it was it's been well known for a long time where British military, military intelligence in terms of the war in Northern Ireland which was between Protestants and Catholics effectively um, were they were involved in shooting um a, a a a bus, small mini bus, whatever, full of uh, Protestant workers, people working men go, going to work, and all of them were shot dead except for one of them, uh, and he luckily enough was able to uh, report that the leader of the of the group that shot them all um, had a distinctly English accent. Now this. Uh, shooting then was attributed to or was the responsibility for it was taken by a group of local uh, Irish people who definitely uh, some kind of Irish Republican something or other army, some new group that they made up uh, who would not have had English accents. So it kind of that that, that and other evidence suggested that it was British uh, military intelligence involved in carrying out the shooting and they were shooting people who were effectively on their own side. Right. They were Protestants. Uh, and then as a result of that, another group then came along uh, and had a reprisal attack against Catholics and shot uh, members of the Imam, if you look it up, the Miami show band in, in Northern Ireland, uh, a band basically made up of Catholic members of a band, um, <coughs> were all shot <coughs> one night on, when they were on the road in a minibus again. And this was supposedly a reprisal attack for the first one. But then it came out that the, the people who shot them were also directly linked to British intelligence. Uh, and then as a result of those two, because that escalated tensions quite to quite a high, to quite a kind of critical pitch at that, at that time, there was a, t- a plan tabled to, again, with the connivance of British intelligence, to shoot, uh, carry out a mass shooting at a primary school and kill primary school children. And that was only called off at the last minute. So there's plenty of evidence from that theatre, let's say in Northern Ireland, with the British directly involved, obviously, um, that these people will not do, do not stop at, at you know even at the level of shooting uh, small children to achieve their agenda and their agenda at the time was the idea at the time was to provoke a kind of civil war in uh, in Northern Ireland to push it to the brink so they can control it better they think that if they get warring factions to fight with each other uh, and really fight with each other really. Uh, set them at each other's throats, then they're, they're in a better position then to step in and control the situation or whatever, you know. Um, so, and it's, so it's interesting that in, the, in Tarrant's, uh, in Christchurch, his uh, manifesto included uh, the, the claim that the, the shooting that he was uh, going to carry out, it was his hope that it would provoke a civil war in America. Right. This is an Australian guy from... Some backwater place in New South Wales, mm. twenty eight. Says I've had no real education. Um, do, do we know what he worked at? Did he work at something? Have a job? He was a trainer, uh, like a, physio, a gym trainer. Physio. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, on the first page of it, who am I? It's also weird. That it's written in this Q and A format. You know, like yeah, it was very professionally done. It was. Or at least it was very well written for a guy who doesn't supposedly. I, I don't have an education. His command of the language 
was superb. His choice of words was precise. In general, that that's the tone that comes across in it. Um, in other respects, though, it went so far over the top mm. that it was interesting to see um, liberal news outlets in America, especially, uh, encourage their readership not to take it too seriously because it was too in your face. In fact, one of them suggested that he was trying to use irony, mm. that he was going so over the top that he didn't actually believe what or stand have any principle stand behind what was written in the damn document. Mm. But that that in itself is a contradiction because that's a very intelligent mm. um, manipulative thing to do that does require high level and that this guy doesn't have. Anyway, it's clearly written by someone else. You suggested from parts you've seen that they may actually be correct that it contains large elements of shitposting. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that he's he's accused of having come from been a member of H uh, Chan and the forums that are on the so called alt right Pepe the Frog you know pro Trump loosely anti Hillary where they do things like mm. you know go full Nazi and totally exaggerate and lampoon the left's mm-hmm. accusations <clears throat> against them right but here you have a guy who's taking those elements of that it's being passed off as real. But it's so far over the top, it actually doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's it's a totally confusing. But the main messaging coming from it, all you need is to know is the title, The Great Replacement. Mm-hmm. He's supposedly doing it. Okay, one of the things he said, he wants a war, in, a civil war in the United States. But his beef, his political raison d'etre is because Europe, the place I'm from Mm -hmm. originally, like 300 years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever, um, is under attack. It's under attack because of mass migration and they're replacing us. And it's all about the low birth rates of white Europeans. Again, those are all objective issues that are being discussed, you know, in heated Mm -hmm. ways. Definitely. It's like like somebody took all the culture war issues of the day mm-hmm. but reference to them in one document right put it's the, basically so basically slapped them like identification markers on top right. of all those dead bodies of muslims right. in mosques of which the population in new zealand is like point zero something in a place called bloody christchurch right <laughs> referencing this globe western culture war right yeah, it's so Someone contrived. wrote the whole thing start to finish. They've with, no with problem that. with the concept of doing it, as you explained. Right. It's, it's a well-known pattern. It's just a matter of how they'll do it and how they'll set it up. Right. Well, in, in his uh, in his manifesto where he uh, you know, poses questions that I suppose people he thinks people want answered, um, you know, it's, it's just... <laughs> it's like a red flag, basically, to the people who have spent past X number of years uh, denouncing, uh, you know, white, the patriarchy and uh, white uh, privilege and white supremacy and alt-right and et cetera, et cetera. You know, he he says, uh, the way he writes it, you know, or somebody wrote it, I don't even know if he wrote it. Um, Just an ordinary white man, 28 years old, born in Australia to a working class, low-income family. Parents are of Scottish, Irish and English stock. Regular childhood, no great issues. Um, just a regular white man from a regular family. So, I mean, by making that, by, by emphasizing that point, he's he's putting a, a target essentially, or putting a, a sticker of of white supremacist possible 
uh, Islamophobe possible, uh, likely Islamophobe and possible uh, mass murderer of Muslims and minorities or anybody not white on pretty much everybody who fits that description. Yeah. Regular white male Scottish, Irish, English stock, which is pretty much, you know, mostly, if he th- if he had thrown in German and Norwegian, he would have probably covered about 80% of. Or just uh, just abbreviated to the Aryan race. But yeah. but no, he spends an entire first page is about my identity. Right. What is he being? He's being a freaking identitarian, right. identitarian, which the vast majority of the people who are now being vilified by association are not. Have spent the last they, they constantly harp on about how identity, identity politics, politics is, is the problem. Yeah. And they're and that, not interested. And that they don't in engage in it. Yeah, they're not interested in it. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. Like we were talking about this a, a while ago as well about uh, the whole idea of identity politics, you know, and accusing. It's like foisting the idea of identity politics and accusing people who don't engage in identity, identity politics as being identitarian, identitarians, like actually identifying with their with their race or with their, you know, and putting it out there. So people who actually identify with with themselves as minority or as something on the left accuse all the people on the right who are mostly white, nominally Christian Westerners, accuse them of identifying super strongly with their white Christian heritage when the most people, the vast majority of those people do not and are not interested in identifying as Anything at all. They just are what they are. It's like the grass being green. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, the grass is green and it's patriarchal and it's in my face and how dare the grass be green. It's like, what do you want me to do about it? Well, of course, we know what they want, what they, some extremists, and there, it's mainly the extremists who say it, want you to do about it, is to, is to give up some of your supposed power to them or to abase yourself in some way, to apologize for being who you are. It's like asking the grass to apologize for being green. And that is a good analogy in a certain sense because it is as simple and mundane as the grass being green because the vast majority of white people in Western countries, despite what a lot of the lefties kind of propose, are not in any way particularly privileged, particularly in, in Western European and, and, and in the US, in Western European countries and in the US. Uh, most people are just struggling to get by in one way or another. Mm-hmm. They're not lording it over anybody. But you're being accused, certain, a certain, you know, the white people effectively are being accused of doing that, of, 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 of lording their white privilege and their arrogance and et cetera, et cetera, over other people when none of them are doing that. Yeah. But when you're accused of doing it enough, then some of those people will respond. And as soon as you respond, then they say, see, you're yeah. doing it. Yeah. So it's it's just a trap, you know. It's and crazy, and and they went full spectrum. I think when I say they were over the top with it, um, they went too far with trying to encompass everything. Right, you really tell it's a, the author or authors have their finger on the pulse of what's going on, really just on relatively small corners of the internets, but it's also a little wider than that. If they had left it at, um, hi, my name's Tarrant. I'm about to shoot up all these people and I love Trump mm. and maybe comma and I'd like to see a civil war start in the United States. That would have been enough said. But no, they have to bring in Candace Owens mm. and they have, they have him say PewDiePie. Now on the face of it, it's like, that's ridiculous. But someone who's carefully watching what's going on knows that PewDiePie has been under criticism 
and that has seeped into the mainstream because he's not PC enough, basically. Right. The only reason to go after him is not because in no real in no real world scenario does a white identitarian who hangs out with other honest to God neo fascists who like to shoot guns and dream of going and killing people. In no in no real world scenario do any of them actually freaking subscribe to PewDiePie right. to get their mm, no, yeah. they're going on Daily Cause Stormer he's, cause he's and not giving even that, more right. extreme sites than that. No. The dark webs or wherever they hang out. They're not watching freaking PewDiePie right. for it. But somebody gave him the idea and then was carried through in his document to get that in there because at the kind of uh, at, the, at the mainstream level, he okay, PewDiePie is a, a gamer online, but he's the single most popular watch person on YouTube. Right. So he has some mainstream track. It gets some references too. It, it gets into the BBC Evening News report. Yeah, so there's this fascist guy on YouTube and he's not playing the game. He's not being PC and so people watching PC, it yeah. passively absorb. That's all they know about PewDiePie. Mm-hmm. So the next reference they hear is in connection with the mass murder of 50 people. Right. Well, that's terrible. That's, yeah, maybe we should do something about YouTube and social media. That's really bad. Mm-hmm. That's all that. So someone smart enough to insert those connections which anyone online who's paying attention is like that's bloody absurd there's a the reason for it and yep. it's cunning yeah yeah it's definitely cunning uh, evil cunning I suppose I'm just surprised they didn't they didn't have him say right in the manifesto that he was a supporter of Jordan Peterson that would have been really uh, you know that would have been a bit of a coup you know for all the people who who are have been condemning our denouncing Jordan Peterson, you know. Jordan Peterson was in New Zealand just two weeks prior um, for the first time. And as part of heralding his arrival, they had mainstream commentators in the press there warning Australia of Kiwis. um, Somebody is coming, somebody is coming who, quote, threatens the very basic values of our way of life. Mm -hmm. That's the mainstream characterization in New Zealand all the way down there. This guy's coming and he's, think think ISIS plus the Russians plus Saudi Arabia. He's, whew, he's really freaking dangerous. So that, that, that's, that, it, it's probably, I don't want to say it was done to time with that, but um, it, it's all connected. You, know? okay. you, you hit so many birds with, with one great big stone here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, the, I don't know. The, the real tragedy about this is that it's it's already locked down. The sides have already been... All these things do is set the programming um, of the last 18 years of a manufactured clash of civilizations. Um, but, um, yeah, I can't help but think it's all... I mean, just last week in our last show, we talked about the his, the simultaneous hysteria of anti-Semitism in three countries mm-hmm. and the crazy connections just on the level of ideas that mm-hmm. take place, that must take place for those three things to happen at once. Right. Um, he mentioned, Tarrant mentioned, I want a civil war. We did discuss that, you know, it's like they want to set off civil war type atmosphere everywhere. I think it's, um, I think that might be, be the kind of direction things will go in, sure. It, but it's more like I think it's it's more like this is at the, bat, the level of ideas. Mm-hmm. Tarnish just uh, Jordan Peterson 
as he comes by saying the worst shit you can about him. That's not really effective because Kiwis still turn out to pay and to listen to him and word gets around and they share links behind behind the censors. They, people share links and they discuss it and so on. But what would really um, confront the ideas head on, the ideas that maybe, you know, mass immigration, maybe adding a million non-Irish to a population of only three and a half, four million Irish in the space of 10 years might not be the best thing for the country. And those kinds of conversations taking place all across the West. How do you... There are too many things to do whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. You, you can't go in and try and fix each one. No. But you, you think it. about how you hit something that will ping and affect all of them mm-hmm. simultaneously. And you do that on the, bath, the, the level of ideas. Right. Um... And, so, bl- and you do it with a mass shooting, and it's a super, it's 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 a blunt force instrument that that uh, that it it offers the the left, the people who would be pro immigration and you know very much uh, leftist politics and stuff. Uh, you give them you give them a lot of ammunition with yeah. with one shooting uh, mm-hmm. of of, the, of this kind of one mass mass murder spree of this kind because it's like everybody then has to shut up and uh, you know it silences any dissenting voices people who would have been like, critical of predominantly Muslim immigration to western countries now has to think twice yep. because if I say that am I in some way associating myself with mass murder right it has a chilling effect right um, we're going to see more of this but already the first specific people to be um, blamed effectively for doing that to those people all the way down there in New Zealand um, are being brought up, they're being hauled up. We have one here I want to, this is a good example actually because it's from the non-English speaking world. Can you pull up the article, um, the Channel News Asia? There it is, yeah. Now, this is a guy you probably haven't heard of, but he's quite well known in France. His name is Renaud Camus, Camus as in the uh, famous philosopher. He wrote a book en français called The Great Replacement. He's pretty well known in France, uh, probably not outside France, but or he's having to come up and apologize and distance himself. You know, I've nothing to do with this guy. I think it's appalling, etc., etc. Um, scroll down a bit there, maybe um, give some background. He's been writing and giving talks locally. He has no media access in France whatsoever. He's considered the, the vilest of the vile. But actually, if you read his stuff, he's not really you know, an extremist. He's certainly not anyone who would recommend anyone start a war or anything like that. Um, he's 72 years old. I'm totally non-violent. I find all this appalling criminal, etc. Anyway, his basic uh, shtick, the basic thing that he talks about and writes about, is that there is an ongoing replacement of peoples in Europe. And how far? Is that too strong a word to use replacement objectively? Probably. But no one disputes the fact that the one of the core issues that Tarrant, Tarrant or whoever wrote that damn manifesto touches on in the document is that this is a serious issue in Europe. It's the only plausible reason for why mass migration to Europe has been promoted by the powers that be, because there is a serious economic and social issue with 
decreasing birth rates. And so his book is basically criticizing the whole agenda to push mass migration on European peoples. He's saying that it's slowly going to um, destroy or at the very least permanently change forever uh, the fabric of society in Europe. There's nothing in any way crazy about what he's saying. It's all fact-based, yada, yada, yada. But of course, that doesn't matter. Just the fact that he's talking about the issue means he's already vilified in France. Um, Yeah, and I think it's interesting that he is pulled up here already. There'll be others. He's kind of, I suppose he's a bit like like a French Jordan Peterson, you know, Mm -hmm. um, well-known but a dissenter. Mm. Isn't it bizarre that you're not allowed to talk um, about the influx into your country of large numbers of uh, people from of a different religion, different cultural background? You know, when it's being orchestrated. As, as a matter of government policy. It's, it's government policy to bring in significant numbers into a country, and particularly into well, any country, but if it's into a small country with a relatively small population and uh, there's large numbers and the impact there is greater. Um, isn't it strange that you're kind of, you can't talk, ask, ask the question as to whether or not this is a good idea? No, we can only celebrate it. But it's, not, it's strange that you can't, no? That, that, that yeah. you would automatically be demonised by... Uh, demonized as as a as a racist or a yeah. whatever simply by saying do you think this is a good idea it's, i mean it's it's like you're not allowed to say that this country has a culture that was developed over x number hundreds whatever of years and uh by bringing in people from another culture it's not they they may assimilate to some extent but they'll certainly uh, if if there's large large enough numbers are brought in, the the culture that they bring with them will in some way change the existing culture. And is that a good thing? Of course, it's a good thing. Shut up. Yeah. But is it a good thing? I don't know. I mean, the thing is, but you can't really even have that conversation because you're immediately and people are so black and white and stupid about the, in their thinking about this. Is that if you say that you're automatically a racist? A, a racist, which is. <laughs> which is not does not logically follow on that just because you ask that question that you're a racist you know what I mean um, it's bizarre you know because I mean and then your defense is well no I don't mind some of us are already of mixed race so I'm a nationalist ah so you're like Hitler hmm. well no <laughs> anyway it gets to the point where the primary defense of those who, who are not afraid to keep asking questions is they think it's a trump card they pull it out and they go, right to free speech. Hmm. They're already working on people saying, ah, this is another, this is another dog whistle. That's what they do. So they, free they, speech And, and when they now... want to have a protest about the rights of free speech. And in fact, that's probably part of the workings that went on with Charlottesville because that was the, was that the official protest in the town? There was one protest that was going to be organized by the, by the more extremist groups, the, the Proud Boys. But then there was another group, I think, that was... Or maybe it was the Proud Boys. There was a sensible reason for having a demonstration in Charlottesville was because it was going to be a free speech protest. Right. So they've taken, they've taken the, they're playing the trump card of what the left used to call, mm-hmm. which is our right to challenge the conservative status quo. 
But that's now going to be, uh, since Charlottesville and other manipulations, manipulations like this, that's going to be synonymous. Ah, when someone pulls out that card, he, well, he's just defending his right to speak freely. But that's he, a racist too. Well, or hate way. speech. You know, you're not allowed to... Free speech is limited by, by, by whether or not your speech is, uh, is humanitarian speech. If it's deemed as hate speech, as in if, or called hate speech, but if it's against anyone... If, you're, if your speech is saying that those people, uh, we should keep people apart to some extent, we should separate people or people should stay in their own country, anything along those lines is, is in the category of hate speech. <clears throat> if it's not inclusive, then it's hate speech, which is kind of ridiculous, like, you know, because and people coming from other countries, they're obviously coming from other countries, they have their own countries to live in. What conditions are they coming from? Yes, that's, there's asylum, all that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with people being, being leaving, leaving uh, uh, terrible situations in their own countries. But if it's not that terrible, what's wrong with them living in their own country, you know? Um, those are just simple questions that are, it's bizarre that you can't actually ask them anymore, you know? Um, <laughs> it's, it's just, it, it's a weird situation. You can't ask them without being uh, shut down and... Uh, you know, smeared or labelled as some kind of extremist, you know? When you're not asking an extremist question at all, you're simply asking a question. And you're not coming from... Uh, in asking that question, you're not coming from some kind of a, a racist perspective. You're not trying to insinuate some kind of racism into it. You're just racism into it. You're simply saying, can we ask this question and debate it logically? And and totally open to hear what people think about it, but we should really ask everybody. And people shouldn't be manipulated or browbeat or shamed or intimidated into giving a particular answer. They should yeah. say what they think. Yeah. But then the answer to that, again, is an answer for everything from the left point of view, from this radical lefty point of view, which is that um, if people are allowed, if white people are allowed to say what they really think, um, they're, uh, it'll be in some way or other inherently racist anyway because white people are inherently racist. That's why yeah. the, the final answer is white people are unconsciously racist. The same way non-Jewish people are unconsciously Jewish. You know, when they remove it from, when they basically say that you can't say anything because... Unconsciously anti-Semitic. Un, sorry, unconsciously yeah. anti-Semitic. Because they tell you that you can't say anything. You're, basically, your speech at all is invalidated by this color of your skin. If you're white, your unconscious biases and racism and anti-Semitism, etc., is going to come out in some way. Yeah. So, and you don't even know it, so you can't control it. So you telling me that you as a white person should can can talk reasonably and rationally and logically about immigration or or, or Israel or anything like that is totally wrong. It's it, it's it's not a valid argument because you don't even know yourself that you're racist yeah. and anti-Semitic. So the best thing you can do is just shut up and be ashamed of the fact that you're white and that you have these these unconscious biases and allow the people who are the subject or who are oppressed by your biases, have been oppressed by your biases, allow them to decide for you what is best for you. Um, which is obviously nonsense, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's racist in itself, as people have pointed out. It's right. obviously racist. And when people say, people, what people forget about racism is, uh, the, the allegation of racism is that, I mean, they say, that uh, it's not possible, one of these new things along that line is that it's not possible to be racist against white people. Yeah. Right? But that's obvious, obvious nonsense because of the definition of racism. Racism isn't, first and foremost, r racism is not a, 
I can't, not a bias. It's actually a logical fallacy. It's just simply wrong, right? So if uh, it is possible, therefore, t- for for someone who's not white to be racist against white people, because when they're when they're being racist against white people, uh, they're engaging in a logical fallacy, and the logical fallacy is to ascribe to one person the traits, or sorry, ascribe to a whole group of people the traits of one person. So, for example, taking uh, this guy Tarrant, ascribing to all white people the traits of this guy Tarrant, who's a mass murderer. So all white people are a mass murderer. That's not, that's not first and foremost racist, although it is, but it's first and foremost, it's simply wrong. Yeah. It's simply idiotic to say that what one person does, everybody else who looks like that person will also do. So uh-huh. it's simply wrong. So, so you can see how that fallacy has taken root in the West vis-a-vis Muslims. Yeah, of course. And you can see, you can also see why people have valid reasons for tending towards that illogical belief. Because, because they've been of 17 repeated, years of the repeated war on over terror. and over and over and over yeah. again. You know, you want to you understand, if anybody wants to understand why uh, if any minorities or Muslims or whatever people, uh, leftist radicals, whatever, want to uh, point the finger of blame at <clears throat> white Westerners for being Islamophobic, if you want to generalize that they're all Islamophobic, okay, we'll go with that. But don't blame the white people. Blame, you have to go back to 9-11. Blame George Bush twice for his two administrations and all of the people around him. Dick Cheney, all of the neocons, several of whom were Jewish. And blame Obama for continuing the war against Muslim nations and continuing the propaganda. So you have eight years of Bush and eight years of Obama. There's 16 years since 9-11. The defining aspect of which was a massive propaganda campaign for those 16, 17 years against people in the West to convince them that Muslims were terrorists. And now you're going to blame the people? Yeah. And now they're trying to convince them that all those people they, that are terrorists, you should let them in and be neighbors with them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's I mean, such you a gotta, mind job. You've got, you got to be fair and be, accept, understand that people are, are easily manipulated, you know? Anybody who, any social commentator on this has to understand. You can't, you can't, you can't beat children for, for being for having, you know, uh, adopted bad behavior if they were taught it by example and directly by, by their parents. You blame the parents effectively, you know. Uh, at least you have to understand it in context and how it happened and therefore not be so extreme in your condemnation of, of, of people who effectively have been propagandized against for 17 years, like we're saying. And in a very brutal way, not just being told it by the media, with the media obviously, not just, okay, so that's another thing to add in, Bush, two years, eight years of Bush, eight years of Obama, and the media, all of it, all sides of the media that pushed that propaganda f- for those presidents, those administrations during that time. Um, you, that, that's who you should be blaming for it. And I have to understand that people are easily propagandized against, like I said, by the media, by government, by the statements of government, statements of media, but also as a result of these kind of terror attacks that we're talking about, like the one today. For 17 years... Western populations have been traumatized in like gory ways and very brutal, emotionally forceful ways through 
via multiple terror attacks in those 17 years since 9-11. We can, you know, you know starting with, start with 9-11 itself, um, Madrid train bombings, <coughs> London. the London bombings, um, and then a whole slew from about then, from about 2007 or even before, actually 2006, 2005, uh, Virginia Tech shooter and stuff, I think it was 2007, ah. All of those... Man, most of the terror attacks in the US, you know, the mass mass shooters, yeah. uh, mass casualty shooters, were a lot of them, most of them were carried out by Muslims in the name of Islam or in the name of ISIS in yeah. their years. The Fort Hood, Fort Hood. shooter. All the only those. Muslim they could find in right. the whole US Army. And not just in the US, in Canada it happened. Uh, and then at, and in, in more recent years, multiple terror attacks by Muslims, obviously um, uh, the Paris attacks, Charlie Hebdo, Bataclan, terror attacks in Germany, in Sweden. Um, so, and in the UK, repeated, really gory, brutal. So, those can and those terror attacks we have reported and commented and wrote, written about all of them, and they fit the profile of the terror attack we're talking about here in Christchurch, Christchurch just two days ago. Yeah, and that's so people you, are being manipulated. Is the point? And, and then people are 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 being encouraged to fight e- with each other over the over the ideology that they have or the beliefs that they have internalized as a result of manipulation by, by authorities. Why are people allowing themselves to be manipulated and set at each other's throats in that way when it's very clear that they're being put up to that, to, to fight with each other and to, to be divided against each other by authorities? Why are they allowing themselves to do that? Why are they allowing them to do that to them? Yeah. In a way, they the... the the, the fight back, the resistance, the natural um, uh, Im- immunology, I suppose, to it is to kind of take the approach we've seen. It hasn't fully manifested yet, but it's the growth of so-called populism. People are looking for alternative answers, alternative leadership. It's producing alternative movements. France... Hmm. Italy, but that in itself, they've got, a, they've got a program Trump for that, though. Even. That's that's been demonized as right wing, as that you know. I mean, right wing populist, uh, you know, usually white nationalist, and uh, Trump. You mentioned Trump. Yeah, he he promotes that, and there's few le- various leaders in Europe are promoting that. But uh, thanks to people like Tarrant, that's smeared as being uh, the ideology or the the political system of mass murderers yeah. who kill Muslims. We, we've wondered in the past how do, do the people doing these things h- how do they resolve trying to do two contradictory things at once I think you've just explained it but maybe if, if I frame it this way maybe you can say it again um, simultaneously terrorize people such that the reaction w- would naturally be looking for people of the right, right-wing ideas, specifically closing borders, for God's sake. Okay, we've got a terror problem. Deal with it. And simultaneously beating people over the head with the opposite argument. No. Maximize how open you can make your borders. Get as many in as possible. Be humanitarian. Be multi- Be di- Diversity is the way up the social ladder. In fact, the more diversity badges you have, 
the better you'll be, the better person you'll be, the more rewarding it will be materially, etc., etc. These two totally contradictory uh, things are being promoted at the same time. Mm. Is this two? Are these things at cross, cross purposes? No, they create the division. They create the two groups within society. And what do you do with that division? What is your? You control people better, right? You don't. You don't allow them to unite. You have them fight with each other. It's very, very simple. Divide and conquer. You divide yeah. two people to make sure that they're at odds, ideologically at odds with each other, and that the most of their energy is directed into fighting with each other, while the the princes uh, above are the state, the corrupt, the corrupt uh, politicians do whatever the hell they want, entrench themselves in power. And even as a result of the fighting that goes on, as we're seeing today, you know, they have to clamp down uh, on, on uh, you know, extremism on the internet. So censor free speech, stop people talking, stop everybody talking. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's just control. And that's, people get their jollies out of being able to control millions and millions and millions of people uh, through this manipulative way. And, and of course, politicians are very happy to see that happen because... That's their job, right? Their job is to maintain a, a control in society. And so it's gonna, it totally fits with, with, with the mandate of the ordinary politician who may not even be involved in this, but right. it's a bit of a dupe to say, yeah, we should do this because it's his job. It's her job. It keeps him relevant. It keeps them relevant and in, in, and in job and in a salary. So this Christchurch attack, for example, right now is a boon to the French leadership where 80% of the population is like... Yeah, absolutely. Because they, they can... They can say we oh, got totally to clamp sympathize. down. We got an issue. Yeah, we, we totally to, know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, we're the same problem. Yeah, now. we we got we got to push down harder on you. We got to remove more of your freedoms, basically more of your right to maneuver, to express, to think, and and to see ultimately what's really going on, which is that you have uh, ex- pretty extreme or increasingly extreme corruption in in the political sphere, and they're getting away with it because they. And this is the reason for these kind of terror attacks and which produce the division in Saudi are getting away with it because people are divided against themselves, divided against each other. Yeah. They're spending most of their time fighting each other, arguing on Facebook, arguing on Twitter over, you know, left wing, right wing, you know. Mean- it's, like, it's like lefties say, you know, there's nothing wrong with immigration. There's not, Muslims are not, are not all terrorists. And the right should say, yes, okay, fine, they're not. Of course they're not. And... The right wing say, well, listen, we have our own culture and our own identity here and we don't want too many uh, people of a different culture or different uh, religion uh, brought into our country. Uh, surely we can uh, make it so that they can stay in their own countries where they're, where they're at home, literally at home. And the left would say, yeah, okay, that sounds like a good idea because it is a good idea. And so is a good, uh, it's equally a good idea that to say that not all Muslims are terrorists and, and then they can unite. And they can say, okay, so we've sorted that out. So what's the actual problem going on in society? What about those people sitting up in their ivory towers? Right. Let's all get together and do something about them. No, uh, that's not going to happen while people continue to take this bait of, you know, and it's done in this lit, really brutal way because that's the most effective way to shock people into their, into their polarized camps, basically. It's like they're, and they it stops it, them thinking, basically. Yeah, and it's possible for them to do it. Just think, just think about the basics premise there of you go you i presume they're not most of them weren't actually from new zealand they fly in they plan their operation what a dozen gunmen and spotters massacre a lot of people and fly off away right imagine the uh, the climate we're all in all of us new zealand canada everywhere it's, it's it's the whole world such that 
there are people who can go around and do that and they get away with it. Mm-hmm. And they get away with it because they do it in, in our faces. They, right. they, they literally like gaslight the hell out of people right. say, yeah, we did it. What and are you ev- going to do about it? And everybody's taken and everybody's just going with their thoughts and prayers and all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with thoughts and prayers. Those people were obviously brutalized and it's, it's a horrible, terrible thing for anybody to be mass murdered in that way and have their literally their free will and their lives taken away from them. Uh, but... It's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening. The point is that we're the only ones, very, or the, one of the very, very few, who are, and like I said at the beginning of the show or towards the beginning, that the reason we're doing this is to try and stop that division within society and people fighting with each other in, within society and to point out how attacks like this are not all they seem and that there does seem to be a hidden hand behind it that is uh, carrying out this kind of attack to exacerbate or to inflame those divisions within society, which is not good for anybody in society. We want to point out the discrepancies in the story so people can come to the conclusion, hopefully, that yes, it was a manipulation. I am being manipulated and I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to fight with my own brothers or my own sisters. I'm not going to let our house be divided while people above us cynically uh, plot to keep us divided and... um, profit from it at our expense but I don't hope I don't have much hope that anybody's going to uh, or very um, any significant number of people are going to uh, to get that message you know I, I, you know the most we can what I what, I suppose what if this was if what we're saying was to be brought to a wider audience we'd be immediately accused of um, showing lack of respect for the victims yeah which is the usual refrain but if people want to misinterpret what we're saying, then they're free to misinterpret it, but we're on record now anyway for explaining exactly why we're doing it and what we're doing. And uh, and we're using, we're not making stuff up. We have, we're using details and, and past form and historical precedents and uh, hard evidence of the way state operatives work and what they do to back up our case and, and, and back up why we're doing it, provide evidence for, for why we're doing it. So, anyway, but it's a thankless task. But there you go. You keep doing it for as long as you can. One day we'll just give up and everybody can go to hell. Anyway, um, I think we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Uh, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the video, click subscribe and click uh, the notification belly thing. Um, we'll be back next week with another show at some time on some topic. So, until then, have a good evening. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.